It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What's going on? I got to tell you, I did not think I could be more disappointed <laughs> in the North Carolina press corps. But I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. Uh, I will get to that in a minute. First, let me get to this. Thank you very much to the patrons that help make the show possible, like Deborah, Josh, Joseph, Timbo, Richard, Bill, and Robin, Andy, John, and Billy. Thank you very much. They became patrons to the show to help keep it on the air. And you can as well. And then you also get exclusive content. Uh, just go to thepetecalendarshow.com. And uh, there's a link at the top. You just click on that. While you're there, you can click on the subscribe button. And uh, the podcast comes every single day right to your smartphone. It's really easy. For folks who are... Uh, and I know there are people that listen on the website at the Pete Callender Show dot com. Uh, the, the best way to listen, though, honestly, is if you have a smartphone to just subscribe to the podcast and then it just it comes automatically every day to your phone. So you don't ever have to worry about going to the site and listening to it. And sometimes if you're on an Internet connection and you're relying on that for the website, it can get a little uh, get a little janky. So, uh, yeah, just subscribe. And then it comes automatically. It's and that's actually the best way you can help me. So, a couple things. What the North Carolina governor uh, came up with an executive order at his uh, press conference yesterday. He announced the big, big changes that <laughs> were uh, <laughs> that were promoted. This was a tweet from W R A L the day before. Breaking news. So they, you know, ooh, we got the scooplet. Ooh, we know stuff that nobody else does. Oh, my gosh. The governor's going to do something tomorrow. It's all this speculative journalism garbage. It's just it's such a waste. It really is. It's such a waste because no one's going to hold WRAL accountable for this. Here's what they say. Cooper expected to announce major easing of COVID-19 restrictions. <laughs> no, no, he didn't. Now, I do wonder. How many people uh, in the media biz, because WRAL wasn't the only one to get this little scoop yesterday that, oh, my goodness, he's going to be announcing some major easing of restrictions. And then, of course, he didn't. But they weren't the only ones to get the scoop. And I got to wonder how many reporters are trading their compliance, their complicity in this uh, in this this tightly managed format that the governor's comms team uh, controls for them because nobody speaks up about this. None of these reporters are speaking up about the fact that they're still forced to dial in and, and then they're, they're called on to ask a question and then, and then a follow-up and you're going to hear it because I pulled a bunch of their questions and they're just mostly garbage, mostly garbage. And I'm just wondering, it's the same people, same outlets over and over again. And I'm starting to wonder, are you guys trading these little scoops, these little leaks ahead of time in exchange for your silence about how you're getting worked. You are. I mean, this is the thing, too. I said this on Twitter. I would be so mad. I and I am mad. And they're not even working me like this is the kicker. The comms team for the governor. They're not even working me. And I'm mad. I couldn't imagine if I was being subjected to this garbage. 
because because if you're in the North Carolina press corps and you're listening to this, first off, thank you. Secondly, please do better. Thirdly, you are getting worked or played, which is weird that they both kind of mean kind of the same thing, but it's the opposite, worked and played. Like they're doing a job on you guys. They really are. It's embarrassing for you. I'm embarrassed for you. Come on. Like, show some dignity, some respect. Like, you're a member of the press corps. You're supposed to be not his buddy, not his pal, not a mouthpiece or a house organ for whatever it is he's trying to push out. Just express just a modicum of skepticism about something, anything. I Like, I don't even care what it is at this point. <laughs> I don't even care. I don't care what it might be that you latch onto that you think, this doesn't seem right. Just... Something show a little bit of life, but I don't think they can because they're so afraid that they're going to be ejected from the from the pool. They're going to be tossed out and then they won't ever get another opportunity to ask a question. And this is what happens. This has happened to a number of reporters. Um, I mean, yes, you've got, you know, North State Journal, WBT Radio. They don't get questions. Their outlets never get questions. Now, WBTV, they do get questions unless, of course, it's Nick Oxner. He doesn't get questions because he asks uncomfortable questions and they don't let him through. So he doesn't get. And, and then and by the way, that message goes to the, the news department, right? They, they're all aware. You can't put Nick on that story. You can't put him on the line because then WBTV won't get to ask their question. So we're going to uh, gonna get to all of that. First, you need to get over to Mattress Man uh, because the uh, President's Day sale, which was extended, uh, it's almost over, okay? It's almost over. So if you want a free box spring with the purchase of a Biltmore mattress or a free adjustable base with the purchase of other select mattresses, then you're going to need to get over there before the end of the month. So you only have a couple more days at Mattress Man. But they have four locations, so it's easy to get to. They also have a website, as everybody does nowadays. Mattressmanstores.com is the website. Four stores in Asheville, Arden, and Hendersonville. And they have local uh, five-star white glove delivery service. And uh, they do ship nationwide. They have a 120-day comfort guarantee. They have all kinds of mattresses, inner spring, pillow top, natural latex mattresses. Um, and they want to help you find the right mattress for you, depending on how you sleep, because everybody sleeps differently. And they know that if you sleep on your back, then you're going to require a different kind of mattress than if you sleep on your side or your stomach. You know, people have different things they find more comfortable. And if you know what you want then that's great. But a lot of times, you know what actually happens? A lot of times people go in there like, I want a really firm mattress. And they think that's what they want, but it's not actually what they need. And the sleep consultants can help you find the best mattress for you at Mattress Man. Tell them you heard it here on the show. I appreciate that. Mattressmanstores.com. Experience the difference. uh, Buy local and sleep better. All right. So before I get to the the Governor Cooper stuff, a story came across the radar. It actually, uh, there was one of the one of the listeners in the Facebook group the other day, and she asks me, Pete, are you aware that in Buncombe County, which is where uh, her uh, her kid goes to school, are you aware? She says in Buncombe County that uh, employees of the school system get to send their kid to school for more days than she does. 
So she's not an employee of the school. She's got a kid. And I think the kid goes, I'm not sure if it's high school. I think it's high school. And they're only allowed to go under the hybrid plan B. They're only allowed to go two days a week. And there's another kid that she has now noticed in the school with her kid. And that other kid goes to school four days a week. I said, I was not aware. Why would that kid get special treatment? And she says, because their parent works for the school system. I said, I did not know that. I was unaware of this little privilege, if you will, this privilege. And so I reached out to somebody in the Buncombe County schools and I asked, is this the case? And this person said, yes, it is. Because, and and here's the thing, it's one of those issues where I actually do understand both arguments and they're both compelling. This is why I might not be a great juror, by the way, <laughs> uh, because, because I could sit there and I'm like, well, that's a pretty good argument you've formulated there. And then someone else comes in and then they make their case. And it's like, well, that's a pretty good argument, too. So the argument for this is that if you told all of the teachers that they could not come to or they they could not bring their kids to school, that they had to you know do the two days in person and then three days remote. Then the teachers, and not just teachers, but all the school workers, they would all say, well, I'm not coming to work. I can't. I've got to stay home. I can't find daycare options. And then what is the school district going to do? What are they going to say? Well, you figure it out. And if you don't figure it out, you're fired. Okay. So now what? They fire a whole bunch of teachers. Then what? Does that mean then that you don't have enough teachers and staff to actually send all the kids to school for two days? You see what I mean? So you're trying to keep the staffing level uh, at a level, you know, high enough where you can actually bring kids into the classrooms. And if you've got teachers that can't show up because they don't have anywhere to send their kid on, you know, three of the five days, then it makes sense to say, well, just bring your kid to school too. And this has been a perk apparently going on for a while. And uh, and I understand. And by the way, this also has happened like outside of the pandemic. You know, if you're a, a school worker and you got to go there like extra early, you bring your kid with you to the school building. So uh, and, and so different districts, you know, handle this sort of thing differently. But in Buncombe County there during the pandemic, or at least now with the uh, the reopening hybrid plans, you got school personnel that are able to bring their kids to school for four days of the week. And the, the the reasoning is for staffing purposes, to keep the school staffed. Okay, I understand that. And look, in the private sector, if I'm running a business and for some reason I have like an educational facility on premises <laughs> and uh, I, you know, and this sort of thing happens, I could tell my workers, hey, come on in and take advantage of the education uh, facility that I have here on premises. It would make sense, right? There's there's not really an additional cost here. And the schools are not incurring additional cost by having the the, the kids uh, of the of the school workers in class. So I get it. I understand the employer perspective of it. Okay. On the other side, I also am compelled by the argument that all of the other parents see this and they think my kid's getting rooked out of an education. My kid is not being able to go to class and and enjoy the same level of education as your kids are because you work for the government school. 
And so when this mom comes to me and she's like, I can't believe this. Are you aware of this? And I found out, oh, yes, well, that's true. I was not aware that that's the case. And she's like, well, what do I do? I don't know. I I don't know. The answer to me seems you take your kid out of the school system completely, go to a private school or a charter school, uh, or you homeschool them, or you take a job at the school district in order to get the privilege, in order to get the benefits, right? I have been, and there is no solution. There's no easy solution here, okay? And this is the problem with dependency. When the government breeds this kind of dependency, it's a perfect example of it. Now what happens is you're dependent and breaking free of that dependency is going to be very difficult. That's why it's called dependency. And that's why people like me have been arguing against the government monopoly on K-12 education for now 20 years. I've been arguing this and telling you know parents and maybe the COVID pandemic helps, you know, make this clear to a lot of people, but you are, you're, you're signing on to a dependent relationship. And uh, when things like this happen, you're the one and your kid is the one that's going to get screwed, not the government. They're not going to get screwed. You will. Okay. Because that's how GovCo operates. That's GovCo's going to GovCo. Like virus is going to virus. GovCo's going to GovCo. That's what they do. So if you're in the system, if you're part of the party, then yeah, you get the benefits. If you're not in the party, then sorry, no, fend for yourself. Sorry, your child's only going to get two days of in-person instruction, while all of us in the party, our kids are going to get way more education, and that might lead to, you know, future earning potential that's greater than your kids. Oh, well, you should have worked for the party. I'm sorry, the government schools. The, the, The answer here is more school choice, and the answer is to get your kids out of the government schools. And if enough parents do it, then um, then maybe this changes and the dependency uh, is is broken. But I wish I had a better answer for you. I wish I had a solution because, you know, me, I am all about solutions. But in this case, I, I don't know what that I don't know what that would be, except, as I said, breaking the government K-12 monopoly. Speaking of solutions, old Grouch's military surplus is the solution. If you look uh, if you're looking for gear for you know hunting or fishing he's got he's got uh clothing he's got jackets and hats he's got all of the uh uh the the gear that you need if you are a hiker a a fisherman or a hunter uh any kind of an outdoorsy type he's got it tim at old grouch's military surplus also if your kid is lucky enough to be going back to school he's got the military grade backpacks these things last a lot longer than the the garbage ones from china that are at the big box stores okay plus they're really cool you know, emergency kits as well for, you know, the car. He's got first aid kits that he can help you build for your outdoor adventures. So before you head out onto the trails, uh, come spring, head on over to Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. Shop is open Monday through Saturday on Main Street across the street from the anti-aircraft gun and at oldgrouch.com. All right. So let me get to the uh, <laughs> let me get to the governor's news conference here. The COVID briefing that he did uh, yesterday. So Governor Cooper announced that he is lifting the state's curfew on Friday, February 26th, and some capacity limits are going to be eased. And I know what most of you are thinking right now. You're like, wait, what curfew? (laughs) There is a curfew. (laughs) 
Look, I, I was at a, I was actually at a friend's house a couple of days ago, and uh, a fella asked me while I was there. He, I mentioned the curfew, and he said, w- "What do you mean curfew?" Because we made a comment like, "Oh, we got to get going," you know, "Don't want to get caught in the curfew." Ha ha. And he was like, "What do you mean a curfew?" And I said, "Well, yeah, it's a curfew." He he was unaware of that, and he and and he was very upset. Got very angry, like you know, this is a sign of the apocalypse, and you know, uh, the you know, the the authoritarian state taking over. And I said, okay, I'm I, I understand that, you know, and there's like a sheepdog effect going on here, like the sheepdog that barks at every noise in the night. Like I appreciate the barking, I do. It's a good warning system, I do. But um, I, I asked him, like, how many people have you heard get arrested or get a ticket or something for breaking curfew? And he said, none. I said, right. So that's kind of what law enforcement thinks about it. (laughs) So you don't really have to worry so much uh, about the curfew. It's there in case they need it for something else. Like if you're if you're hassling people or if they need a reason to to come up and talk to you, you know, then that's what the curfew. That's what the purpose of the curfew is. All righty. So uh, Governor Cooper starts off his uh, COVID briefing, as he always does, with the case counts, the percent of positive cases, which, by the way, the testing is dropping as more people are getting vaccinated. Testing is falling off. It's just a capacity logistical issue. You don't have a lot of these like clinics and stuff. They don't have the capacity to be running all of the tests while doing all of the administering of the vaccines and the scheduling of all of that stuff. So, um, you're, so anyway, so these are the stats that they go. The metrics, the case counts are dropping. The percent positive is dropping, although still above the five percent. So it's a yellow line. Anyway, uh, current hospitalizations and total death count. Those are the four metrics he always starts off every press conference. And then he shifts gears almost in the next sentence, as he always does, uh, to a more chipper, sunnier tone. More people are receiving life-saving vaccines every day. And in fact, more than half of the people 65 and over in North Carolina have been vaccinated. Hmm. And we're working to make sure that race and ethnicity vaccination rates reflect our population and that we are reaching underserved communities. And today marks the first day that our educators are eligible to get vaccinated. Teachers and school staff will be able to get their shots as providers continue to vaccinate those in groups one and two, that is people age 65 and up, and our frontline healthcare workers. This is important. On March 10th, additional members of group three essential workers will be eligible. I know that many people, including me, are eagerly awaiting their turn, and the state will continue to work hard to get more vaccine here from the federal government. All right. More students are able to return to the classroom in person following our recommendation on February the 2nd (laughs) that in-person learning can happen safely when proper health protocols are followed. All right. If you've been listening to the uh, to the shows here over the last month, you know what this is all about. This is the slow roll. It continues this uh, all all this is designed to do is to give this local school boards enough cover from the teachers union and to give the teachers union a win because they've all convinced their members that they can't go back to work until they get vaccinated, even though none of the health experts say that that has to occur in order for schools to open safely, right? And so the teachers union and Roy Cooper working in, you know, coordination here, Cooper is slow rolling 
Senate Bill 37. He I went over this the other day, right? He's got this bill that's going to force the reopening of schools. He refuses to sign it. He still hasn't said what he will do. And now we've got this press conference yesterday. It's been a week. And is he going to force the schools to reopen? He had said before that he would not. Um, Oh, and then there's this part. Getting children in the classroom is critical for their education and overall health. Right. School districts across the state know this. Yeah. And within the next few weeks, schools serving 96% of our public school students will offer in-person instruction. See? Okay. That's the key. That this is going to happen. Right. Because on February 2nd, he came out and said, oh, there's new research, even though it's not really new. Um, We've known this for a long time. You can open school safely. But now it's new. And so he's going to say, hey, everybody, I think you should reopen. That then gives the school districts the cover to go up against the teachers union and say, hey, look, the governor says we should do this. So they start to reopen. Right. But they don't reopen so quickly because here's the key. They Cooper and uh, the teachers union, they know that the Republicans and parents are really frustrated and uh, they're going to start doing stuff that's going to block this kind of thing from ever happening again. That's what Cooper wants to wants to forego. He's trying to prevent that. He's trying to protect his power so he can do whatever he wants to do if he needs to do it again, in his opinion. Okay, this goes to the same. I covered this uh, two days ago with the lawsuit uh, about the bars. Right. Which, by the way, the executive order that he just uh, said he's going to issue. Guess what? Yeah, it lifts the restriction on the bars. Why? Because his lawyers did such a colossally bad job arguing their case to the judge that Cooper knows how this is going. Everybody knows how this is going to go. He's going to lose that in court. And so rather than lose the authority, rather than lose the power, he's just going to say, oh, okay, you can reopen now. Point is moot. Case is moot. And so drop the case. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen. That, that's the one out of the Greenville case. There is another one where uh, I think some bar owners are seeking damages. And so that might uh, that might actually have to go forward. But we'll see. So this is all about slow rolling uh, the process. So this way the schools can reopen to some extent and it turns down the pressure on uh, the legislature and him to force schools to reopen and the legislature to try to take power away from him. That's what's going on here. It's pretty obvious, although you wouldn't know it watching any of these press conferences because the media is in la-la land. They don't, like, they could not detect a political machination or motivation uh, if, if somebody, like, literally gave it to them. Every day in a podcast, for example, they would not be able to decipher this code for some reason. It really is amazing. So what about that Senate Bill 37 sitting on his desk for a week now? He's got three options, right? He can veto it. He can sign it uh, into law or he can what's called pocket pass. That's what I call it. It's a pocket pass. He doesn't do anything for 10 days after it arrives on the desk and then it becomes law without his signature. And so the question has been for people who are just a wee bit curious, like me, hey, are you going to veto this thing? Because you said you won't sign it. But that's only one of the three options. And if you don't sign it, but just let it become law, then it's still law. But you've waited enough time, you know? And if you are opposed to it and you're going to veto it, why wouldn't you just veto it right on the first day? Well, because he wants to give the teachers union the full 10-day spread. Right. He's slow rolling this. 
and the freaking media, the press corps, these reporters that I like one of like your job is to be curious about things. Why would you not ask this question? I know. Why would you not ask this question? It's so frustrating. So frustrating. Kind of like trying to get a household and, and it's not selling and people just come in or they, they give you these ridiculously low offers. It's just super frustrating. So how about this? Get the household for more money and quickly. How about that? Does that solve the problem? And the frustration, call Rowena Patton. Her phone number is 333-4483. That's 333-4483. Her website is mountainhomehunt.com. She is the official Homes for Heroes real estate agent in Asheville. This is a national program, but they pick one realtor per market, and she is ours. And uh, this is open to police officers, firefighters, healthcare professionals, educators, and members of the military, veterans, active duty, and retirees. And what it means for you, if you're in those five professions, you keep 25% of the realtor commissions. And she's given back uh, about $800,000 so far to local folks in those five professions. So buying or selling, call the only agent that Christy and I called, Rowena Patton, 333-4483. Call her today and then, of course, you know, start packing. So, uh, all right, SB 37, sitting on the governor's desk for a week. He's got these three options. Uh, What did he say about what he's going to do? Even with children returning to schools all over the state, I have told legislators that I would sign a bill like Senate Bill 37 that they just passed requiring children to be in the classroom as long as they fixed it to require schools to follow the Department of Health and Human Services guidance. It does. And to preserve emergency authority for state and local officials. Him. Now, an important update on our COVID-19 metrics. Okay. So... That's what it's literally the same statement he gave last week. It's literally the same thing he put in a letter to lawmakers uh, yesterday. It's literally the same thing that his office pushed out right after the legislature passed the bill. It's literally the same sentence and nothing has changed. And nobody seems interested to ask him, what are you going to do here? How can you how can you sit here and. Let this bill languish on your desk for 10 days when you said you're not going to sign it. Does that mean you're going to let it become law? Why would you wait 10 days for that then? Because you just can't sign it? Isn't that kind of the coward's way out? You let it become law without signing it? Or are you going to veto it? Because he sure does talk like he's going to veto it. But if you're not going to veto it, then that means you're going to let it become law. Well, what is it? Meanwhile, parents and students and teachers and all the other school workers are all left in limbo. Later, during the reporter Q&A, Dawn Vaughn from the News and Observer, just like she did last week, got close to the question, kind of sniffing around the actual question, around the perimeter, but somehow still not managing to nail it. Hi, Dawn Vaughn with the News and Observer. I want to follow up on one of your answers about uh, workers. Are you still asking state agency employees to work remote, or are no. they expected to go back at a certain time? And then also you talked some about the decision-making. How much have proposals from uh, sports and bar <laughs> associations factored into the timing of this uh, restriction? These are, okay, just terrible questions. They really are. Like, you guys got to know by now, it's been a year. And if they're going to regulate your access to ask the questions like this, you need to have short, pointed questions, very specific and written and tailored. 
in order to elicit a certain kind of information. Y'all see every every one of these reporters, it seems like they walk into this not having any freaking clue what they want to ask. Write your questions down, fellas and gals. Write the questions down. If you like if this is the kind of question you're going to ask. And the other thing is ask one, ask one question and make it a good one. These are not really good. Really, you're asking, I mean, honestly, and I'm not trying to pick on Dawn Vaughn. She's a decent reporter. Like, I'm not trying to pick on her. And again, I like I am so critical of the press because it's so freaking important. Their job is so important, especially right now. And you're asking questions about whether or not you're going to tell state workers to keep working remotely. Really? You could get that off of a press release. What are you doing? What? You get this access to the governor to ask questions that don't generally show up in a press release. And this is the kind of question you ask. And then she also asks, well, are you who else are you talking to? Like, why are you making this decision? Are you taking this kind of input? Uh, Well, to answer the the second question first, we're sticking with the science and the data. And that is what has told us to uh, do these restrictions uh, the way we the easiest (laughs) restrictions the way we have. Uh, yeah, as for it. state employees, <laughs> there are some departments we're headed by people who are independently elected, but we are still encouraging uh, remote working whenever possible. Uh, each agency head is dealing with that. There's some workers who obviously need to have to uh, come into work and those who are working on the front. So, like, line, honestly, like, what's the universe of people that this is actually important to, you know, protect our state employees as much as we can and remote working is still encouraged next question we have a follow-up don bond news and observer there's the gatekeeper Hi, thanks for the follow-up. Um, and also what you said earlier about senate bill 37 and having most of the schools open that's still you know about 20 districts that won't be open if you didn't like the bill that's on your desk uh why not just mandate that school districts open with the protocols that, that you want for Plan B? That is a good question. That's a really good question. I mean, it doesn't get to the veto question, but she says, if you don't like the bill, why not just mandate? This is what I was saying the other day, by the way, right? Because the legislature says we want all the schools to open and we want them to do so following the governor's guidelines. Well, the governor's guidelines are what the governor is now objecting to because they don't have enough distance between the middle school and high schoolers. The difference of three feet and six feet, because plan A apparently only calls for three feet and he needs it to be six. So instead of you just doing it, Governor, no, 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 you're going to pretend that I don't have the power. The guy who shuts down the entire economy, right, tells you what clothing you should wear and how to wear it on your face, right? But he has no authority to tell the schools how they should reopen safely. Well, why not just why not just mandate that? This is a good question. So I still think that local control is most important here, but we are strongly encouraging all school systems to begin in-person instruction if they have not. So local control, he says that's that's the most important thing. That's the thing that really matters here. Is that so local control is more important than the in-person instruction? Just to be clear. See, that's the follow up I would ask, because that's the framing he has constructed, that local control is paramount. And so if the General Assembly is trying to mandate schools reopen, he's going to force the kids to stay home. He's going to he's going to protect 
the kids from going to in-person instruction because local control is the real issue here. And he's trying to protect that. Now, later, <laughs> the Q&A. <laughs> uh, oh, hang on a second. I, I forgot this part. She has a tweet, Dawn Vaughn, the News and Observer reporter that asked these questions. She says she asked about uh, Senate Bill 37, if Cooper would just mandate it. He didn't answer about mandating anything himself. He said he would sign a bill that followed the DHHS guideline and preserved local state emergency authority. He has until Saturday to either sign veto or let become law Senate Bill 37. So he said he won't sign it. And that leaves a veto or nothing. Right. Gosh, if only somebody could have asked him that. Somebody who gets to get on the phone line with him every single time somebody like you <laughs> somebody like you why <laughs> i like i said i would be i would be fit to be tied i guess even more so than i am fit to be tied if i was a reporter that had to go through this they don't give me even access. Okay, it's so like I'm free to complain. Like if they want to give me the codes and let me dial in and you want to let me on the phone line to ask some of these questions, I will play your game and it'll be the last time I get on. No doubt about it. But I'll ask good questions and then I'll never be asked back, which is why they don't ask me in the first place. <laughs> I know. I am well aware of it. I'm well aware of it. It's just it's it really is disgusting. To me, it's disgusting. And if he were a Republican, uh, he would already have been forced to open up these press conferences by the media. They already would have forced his hand on this. Now, I would not, I'm not going to force you, but I would strongly recommend you go to growershemp.com and check out The Balm. It's The Balm. It's The Balm. B-A-L-M. The Balm. I, yeah, it's anyway, it's a really great topical. You you put it on like your uh, your joints. It's great for hips, for backs and hands and feet. Any of your hurts, you just put it on except for, you know, obviously uh, wounded pride or ego doesn't really help for that. Um, but, you know, it's a topical and at Growers Hemp, you get the balm and you can buy one, get one free only through the end of the month as part of their Valentine's Day. Buy one, get one discount. Use the promo code love. For the discount at checkout, love is the code, L-O-V-E. Buy one, get one, see the website for details through the end of February only. And as always, I got to give you the disclaimer. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research, and these products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And nothing I have said is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider. So, Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. Growers Hemp. These are North Carolina farmers, uh, and they said we'll control everything from the seed all the way to the shelf, and that's what they do. That's what they offer, full-spectrum hemp extract. I take some of the drops before I go to bed, and I sleep more deeply than I ever have before in my life. So I highly recommend it, uh, and uh, you should go check them out at growershemp.com. Again, the promo code LOVE will get you a buy one, get one discount for the bomb. And of course, uh, tell them that you heard it here. Although I think the promo code is just for you, okay? Just for the listeners of this program. So uh, what else? Oh, the Q&A. The, <laughs> I will say this also, in defense of these reporters before I start dragging them again, um, <laughs> that, and look, and 
Like part of me, I mean, I do laugh about this, and yes, part of me does enjoy it to some degree. True enough, but part of me is also uh, like I, I feel, I do feel a bit of kinship with a lot of these people because I used to do this job, and I understand it's a difficult job. I do. I understand it's a difficult job. It's thankless. You get, you know, people like me constantly criticizing you. I understand, you know, I do, but I also want you to be better. And you got enough people that sing your praises. Sincerely, there are a lot of people out there that will fawn all over media for, you know, heroes. And of course, most of these people that do the fawning are in the media themselves. That's true. But um, you guys, these are the things you need to be asking. This is the approach that you that you really do need to consider taking here. And uh, that's that's all I can say. It's really up to every one of them to decide whether or not they want to be better or not. So uh, let's see here. We've got, oh, the announcement of the easing of the restrictions. Okay. So let me move on from the Senate Bill 37. That's not happening. Uh, So we'll find out when Governor Cooper does whatever it is he's going to do. We'll all find out together. Um, He says he's going to ease some of these restrictions, but he's not going to lift the restrictions under this new executive order that goes into effect Friday, February, uh, was that Friday, February 26th. The only restriction we will lift is the modified stay-at-home order. Okay. That means no more curfew starting Friday and more opportunities to gather, shop, and attend events if done safely. When it comes to easing some restrictions, we're depending on people to be responsible. The mandatory mask mandate will not change. As more people gather together, it will be more important than ever to social distance. These proven safety protocols are vital as this virus is still here and infecting people every day. I love how he uh, he treats every one of these news conferences as if none of this information has ever been spoken before in a public setting, let alone by him. To 50% occupancy while still maintaining health and safety protocols. For example, gyms, museums, aquariums, barbers, other personal care, pools, outdoor amusement parks, retail establishments, restaurants, breweries, and wineries may now open at 50% capacity with health and safety protocols. The time for on-site service of alcohol, uh, for the time for ending that service, will be moved to 11 p.m. Additionally, some businesses that were limited to operating outdoors at 30% will still have that percentage, but will no longer have a 100-person cap. That includes outdoor sports fields and venues, stadiums, outdoor bars, outdoor amusement parks, and other outdoor businesses. And? The new order will also allow some indoor businesses to open at 30% capacity. Such as? With a cap of 250 people. Such as? These businesses include bars and taverns, (laughs) indoor amusement parks, movie theaters, indoor sports arenas, and others. Of course it does. Bars. This is exactly what we said was going to happen two days ago when we talked with Jessica Thompson from the Pacific Legal Foundation. She is suing the governor on behalf of a bar owner in Greenville, uh, Club 519, and they've been shut down for the last year. And we talked about this because their lawyer for the governor performed so badly 
in front of the judge, the judge literally says, I'm begging you, give me some evidence, which generally is not something you want to hear if you're a lawyer arguing a case, right? You don't want to hear the judge say that to you. So the so judge says, I'm begging you, give me some evidence for to defend your position. And it went so badly that it's pretty obvious Cooper's going to lose. And what happens if he loses? It means he doesn't have the authority any longer. And it undermines all of this stuff. So what does he do? The very same thing he did with the churches when they threatened to sue, with the bowling alleys when they brought lawsuits, right? As soon as you sue, all of a sudden the restrictions get lifted. Isn't it amazing? I'm sorry. It's science. It's science and data and facts. Oh, my. Science and data. I understand that's the incantation for the religion. It works. It it wards off everything and it answers all questions. Yeah. By the way, the bars are still not being treated equally. So restaurants, breweries, wineries, they all get to open at 50% capacity. So if your restaurant has a bar in it, you can have that bar half full. And COVID knows not to kill people from that bar. But if you're at a, just a bar or a tavern, not a restaurant, not a brewery, not a winery, you're just a private bar, you're only at 30% capacity. Because, I don't know, COVID really hates those bars or something, and it, it smites down the people at those bars at a disproportionate rate? Not really sure. Uh, also, the uh, large indoor arenas with capacities of more than 5,000 people uh, they are now allowed up to 15% capacity with no cap. Uh, why 15? These are the same questions that I was asking at the very beginning of all of this when he started, you know, we're going to shut this down and we're going to dimmer switch this bad boy and we're going to open it up just a little bit and here's 15% and here's 20% over here and 30% over there and 10% over here. Like, why? What's the science for 15%? There isn't any. It's arbitrary. It's a number that Cooper has come up with and thrown out there because it's not too high and it's not too low. It's whatever. I don't know. Nobody knows the rationale for a 15% capacity. Why 15%? Yet another question that we did not get asked. Now, in defense of the press pool, I will say this. The governor's comms team did not give the reporters a copy of the executive order before the briefing so he comes out he makes this announcement they're watching along like i am and they have no idea what's in the executive order except what he says so if you're just taking notes you don't know what's in the order (laughs) so again you should be very mad at the governor and his communications shop for the way that they are working you guys um next comes the q a again as i said at the outset I'm not sure I could be uh, more disappointed in the media than I was last week at this press conference, at this uh, COVID briefing. But uh, sure enough, actually, this week uh, I I was. Yesterday's I was actually more disappointed and actually kind of embarrassed. So first off, here is a question. uh, Well, here, take a listen. I've included, I've chopped it down to to, uh, take out some of the dead air in between and such. But Here's a flavor you're going to hear. These are some of the questions and how how it sounds when you're watching these briefings. Our first question is from Katie Peralta with Axios Charlotte. Hey, Governor Cooper. This is uh, Katie Peralta Sola from Axios Charlotte. Um, I had two questions. First of all, um, would you consider where we are today as some some kind of turning point in the (laughs) pandemic? I mean, it seems that this is the most 
sweeping lifting of uh, of lifting of restrictions that we've seen thus far. Um, my second question is: This is that you know what this is like the Simpsons episode when uh, one of the characters has a whole bunch of kids and the media comes in and they're like, "Would you say that you're on cloud nine? And they're like, "Oh yeah," and the media says, "No, no, no, say it. We want the soundbite." Like that's would you say you're at a turning point? Yeah. No, no, no. Would you say it? I want the soundbite. Well, we're at a turning point. That's what this is. Would you say we're at a turning point? Please tell me what it is that I want you to say so this way I can put it as a headline. It's a turning point. Because you know if Cooper said that we've turned the corner here, that would be the headline. Are you worried about um, a, a backslide? You know, people seeing this as... Um, oh, my God. See, here it is again. Speculative journalisming. Are you worried that something else might happen in the future? And if so, how worried? This is pointless. This provides zero journalistic value at all. I know it's good clickbait, but from a consumer standpoint and from an informational standpoint and educational standpoint, has zero value. Let me go over here. Uh, this is from uh, this is the next question from ABC 11. Our next question is from Jonah Kaplan with ABC 11. Governor Dr. Cohen, good afternoon. This is Jonah Kaplan from ABC 11. Uh, Governor, I appreciate the uh, opportunity to ask. Oh my God! Just spit it out already, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't get this. They introduce you. Why are you giving your name again? And enough with the fluffery here. There's no reason to fluff. Just ask the question. I mean, thank you, thank you very much for the opportunity to ask a question. Just have your question ready. Read it and and then get off the line. This question. We know businesses have been hit hard by restrictions and economic setbacks over the last year. Does this do enough to get North Carolinians back to work and help jumpstart the economy again? Again, speculative and of zero value. Because what do you think the governor is going to say about the thing he is doing to help everybody? You know, I'm doing this thing to help everybody, but I don't think it's actually going to help everybody enough. (laughs) Do you think he's going to say that? Of course he's not going to say that. Come on, man. Well, many businesses have just been hit hard by this pandemic period. A lot of people are taking themselves out of commerce and retail and restaurants and bars and hotels because they are concerned about their own safety. And we know that certain industries have found opportunity in crisis and that we've had some strong growth in jobs in many areas oh see, see. particularly the hospitality industry yeah. the the he's trying to take credit for all the jobs that have been created while also talking about how he knows jobs have been lost <laughs> we have a follow-up jonah kaplan abc 11 governor and dr cohen on this beautiful day gets many people thinking about summer and about oh my god concert I'm uh, I am I am not one of these people who likes to lead in with all of this segue like that for these types of questions. It's just contrived it like honestly leave the segues to professionals like me. And if you want professionals to recommend yard equipment uh, or large equipment for whatever like project you're trying to accomplish, then general equipment rental uh, is where you need to go. See, that's a professional segue. Um, general equipment rental, generalrents.com. That's their website, generalrents.com. They are in Weaverville. They're at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. They're family owned and operated. They support this program by advertising. Please go there for all of your equipment rental needs, but also 
not just equipment rental, but purchase as well. So uh, if you're thinking about getting some new equipment for the spring yard work season coming up, uh, they are your official Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider. So whether it's uh, lawnmower or leaf blower, trimmers, chainsaws, tiller you're looking to till up the garden beds and such they've got you covered buying or renting general equipment rental in weaverville generalrents.com and think outside your toolbox all right up next is the wral reporter who coincidentally was the one that told us all that this was the big scoop the day before that there was going to be lots of restrictions getting eased. And then uh, actually, no, it was just like one. Our next question is from Colin Browder with WRAL. Yeah, Good afternoon, him. Governor. Colin Browder with WRAL. All right. I know you reference the improving metrics when you make these decisions. How much do you base your decision on listening to people, whether it be parents or business owners or lawmakers, some of whom filed bills this week to increase capacity at sporting venues? Okay, this is a question that you should be you should have been asking a year ago. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Now you don't know the answer to this question. Now I would I would submit that's probably a, a glaring example of how the governor uh, has cut people out of this process that nobody knows who he's talking to to make these decisions. We listen to all of those people. We, all of we have listened to lawmakers and have talked to them. Uh, I've talked to families. I've talked to business owners. So many people have been hit hard by this pandemic. But the, by the you. controlling issues are the science and the data. We have a follow-up. Colin Browder, WRAL. Governor, what message should this send oh, to companies that geez. have a lot of employees working remotely right now? Should they bring some of them back uh, under this order? No, what? God. Again, in his defense, he did not have a copy of the executive order, but this this is the laziest form of the question right there. What what message are you trying to send? Basically, it's just like, hey, say something. <laughs> That's what the question is. Hey, I got a microphone, and uh, here, I'm going to put in your face and uh, say something. That's what reporters do when they start off their questions with, what message are you trying to send? Because here's the thing. If you're sending a message to people, you don't need to say, here's the message I'm sending because the message has been sent already, right? It's pretty obvious. These are the types of questions we're getting a year into the pandemic, a year into these briefings. This is the quality uh, of questions <laughs> that we're getting still. Next up, CBS 17. Our next question is from Michael Hyland with CBS 17. Hi, this is Michael Hyland from CBS 17. Uh, during a meeting with state legislators on Tuesday, so just yesterday, Dr. Cohen, you reiterated some of the same concerns that you've had all along about the potential for the virus to mm. spread in bars specifically. Why do you think now is the time to open bars for indoor service? Oh, that's actually a promising kind of question. What makes now the right time? Hi, Michael. As we went through um, earlier in the presentation, all of our trends continue to move in, a, in the right direction. Our cases are down, our percent positive has been down, our hospitalizations are down. And remember, as we ease these restrictions, it is just that, an easing of restrictions. So indoor capacity needs to be limited to 30%. Alcohol sales need to... End. Oh, my gosh. So she doesn't answer the question, right? She doesn't answer the question. It, was, it, it, had, it had potential. 
it had potential. And then, of course, uh, we have the montage of all of the other questions that I didn't even bother leaving in the answers from these officials. Our next question is from Brian Anderson with the Associated Press. Hi, Governor. Brian Anderson here with the Associated Press. I have one question for you and one question for Dr. Cohen. For you, uh, in exactly two weeks, you would be eligible for a vaccine on, under the provision that elected officials can get the rollout. Are you planning to get vaccinated uh, then? Oh, my God. Uh, and for Dr. Cohen, I'm Why curious if there are any plans underway right now that would vaccinate teachers on their school grounds. Uh. Thank you. Our next question is from Allison Smith with Fox 8. Hey, this is Allison Smith with Fox 8. Um, <laughs> just wondering, too, as we loosen these COVID restrictions leading to spring break, are you all concerned about another surge oh my like gosh. you saw post-Thanksgiving, post-Christmas? Speculation. Do you have a follow-up? Allison Smith, Fox 8. Um, also, with more students, I know we're trying to move to more in-person classes, but with the remote learning, students being on their computer, I'm just wondering, too, if you've been following what's happened in the triad recently involving some missing girls. Thankfully, two have been found um, communicating with sexual predators with their abductors over school-issued computers. So what is your reaction to that happening, and is there anything more the state can do? Our next question is from Christy O'Connor with WBTV. Hi, Governor. This is Christy O'Connor from WBTV in Charlotte. Since uh, Group 3 is now eligible, or at least a portion of Group 3 is now eligible to get the vaccine, what is the state doing to ensure that seniors eligible in Group 2 are not being skipped um, since it's likely even more competitive to try and get an appointment? By the way, the answer on that is really nothing. Our final question today is from Rose Hoban with NC Health News. Thank you so much for taking my question. Um, I have a follow-on question to, uh, you know, talking about the, it looks pretty clear that the FDA is going to approve the Johnson & Johnson vaccine this week. And yesterday at the White House, Jeff Zients said that if an uh, emergency use authorization is issued, that they anticipate allocating three to four million doses of the vaccine next week. So have you been given, given any indication as to a potential timeline and, you know, how many doses you'll get and how soon we'd get them. That is, a, again, like, these are questions that you can get in an email answer. All right, that's a wrap for this episode. <laughs> Very frustrating. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Remember, subscribe at the Pete Don't break anything while I'm gone.